More than 68,000 local cases of COVID were reported Sunday, the third day for Taiwan to break the 60,000 mark. Health Minister Chen Shizhong said the day's cases represented a 7.45 percent rise on the previous day and that it was not considered a high growth rate. There were also 19 deaths, eight involving people who were unvaccinated. Chen also said that they have held discussions with local governments and reached a consensus that older adults over the age of 65 who test positive for COVID on a rapid test will be able to receive oral antiviral medications after being evaluated by a doctor. No additional PCR tests are needed. Chen said relevant measures and protocols are still being discussed and that they would be announced shortly. Meanwhile, to reduce the chances of moderate and severe infections, starting on Monday, three categories of people will be eligible to receive a second booster shot, which is tantamount to a fourth dose of vaccine. They are people aged 65 and over, residents of long-term care institutions, and immunocompromised people aged 18 and over. To get the second booster, people in all three categories need to have had their first booster at least five months earlier. An estimated four million people are qualified for a second booster shot. As the WHO's World Health Assembly prepares to meet on May 22nd, Taiwan's hopes for receiving an invitation are looking dimmer by the day. However, support from Western countries this year seems to be stronger than ever. A Canadian parliamentarian who once stood up for Taiwan in Canada's parliament spoke up again over the weekend, while foreign ministers from the G7 have issued a joint communique in support of Taiwan's participation. U.S. President Joe Biden has also signed into law a bill that requires the U.S. to help Taiwan re-enter the WHO following a five-year absence. Speaker T-A-I-W-A-N. This is a question about Taiwan. Michael Cooper, a politician with the Conservative Party of Canada, became an instant sensation in Taiwan when he spelled out Taiwan's name in Canada's parliament. The parliamentarian who strongly backs Taiwan has once again spoken out on the island nation's behalf. Institutes of health research require Taiwanese funding applicants to falsely specify their nationality as Taiwan province of China. Taiwan is not a province of China. Taiwan is Taiwan. To date, Taiwan has still not received an invitation to attend the UN's World Health Assembly, which starts on May 22nd. However, various countries have expressed solidarity with Taiwan, supporting its wish to be included. The White House announced that President Joe Biden signed into law on Saturday a Taiwan-friendly bill proposed by Republican Senator Bob Menendez, who visited Taiwan recently. The bill requires U.S. secretaries of state to do their best to help Taiwan regain observer status at the WHO. As a country that works hard to prevent the spread of the pandemic, Taiwan has the experience that is valued by the international community. If Taiwan can take part in WHO-related meetings, I believe that not only does Taiwan have this right, but it can also make a substantial contribution to the international community. We are very grateful to our allies for speaking out and helping us. 
The recently concluded G7 foreign ministers meeting in Germany also saw the issuance of a joint communique following the summit that said the ministers underscored the importance of peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait and supported Taiwan's meaningful participation in WHO technical meetings in the WHA. Taiwan's global allies this year have demonstrated high-level support for Taiwan more than ever. It doesn't matter if it's the US or these traditional European countries, because the degree of concern they are showing for peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait is very high. Of course, on the one hand, they are using these means to show support for us. On the other hand, they are sending China a warning, telling it not to do anything rash. These kinds of statements indeed have a dual purpose. Professor Arthur Ding believes that although Taiwan's return to the WHO is replete with many difficulties, this show of support from the West also highlights that China's unreasonable suppression of Taiwan in the international community is baseless, something that the rest of the world can clearly see. Back in February, the government lifted a ban on Japanese food from prefectures affected by the 2011 Fukushima nuclear disaster. This breakthrough was largely credited to Chiu Yuren, who heads the Taiwan-Japan Relations Association, the unofficial agency that deals with relations with Japan. Now, reports are saying Chiu has handed in his resignation and that he'll be replaced by former presidential office secretary general Su Jiaquan. Legislator Lin Jingyi thinks Su's new job will lead to even closer ties between the two nations. This virtual handshake between Taiwan-Japan Relations Association Chairman Chou Yiren and his Japanese counterpart Ohashi Mitsuo at the Taiwan-Japan Economic and Trade Conference may be the last time for these two men to make this gesture. Reports say Chou has handed in his resignation after successfully working to reopen the door to food from five Japanese prefectures affected by the Fukushima nuclear disaster. He will reportedly be replaced by former Secretary-General to the President Su Jiaquan. The current chairman has been in office for a long time and has promoted a lot of exchanges with Japan. I think it is appropriate to have former Speaker Su Jiaquan replace him because Su served as a speaker of the legislature and democratic countries highly respect this kind of role. The chair must have a close relationship with the president. From the Ma Ying-jeou period to the DPP's Tsai Ing-wen administration, they have all been officials that have headed a government yuan. Only this kind of seniority would make the Japanese side feel that we attach importance to Taiwan-Japan relations. Scholar Tsai Sung Jia thinks now that the controversy over Fukushima-sourced food has come to a close, Taiwan's next mission is to fully promote bilateral economic cooperation. An economic cooperation agreement will be the focus of future Taiwan-Japan relations. After signing a Taiwan-Japan ECA, more Japanese enterprises will invest in Taiwan and more Taiwanese enterprises will go to Japan, taking the economic relations between the two nations to the next level. In the past, our legislature had a very close relationship with Japanese parliamentarians and some political parties in Japan. 
The next focus will be on when we will relax our tourism policy and encourage Japanese politicians to visit Taiwan. Reports say that Su's new appointment will be made public soon, reflecting the importance the Tsai administration places on Japan. Pineapples are one of Taiwan's many homegrown fruits. The harvest is approaching in Jiayi, and this time of the year, the fruit creates a very surprising picture. The pineapple fields are not all golden. Many look more purple or orange. Viewed from the sky, rows of fields of all hues can rival a modernist painting. Bingxiong Township is the prime pineapple producer of Jiayi. This amateur drone camera captured the many colors of pineapple fields, forming a surprisingly complex patchwork. The different colors represent different planting season or different varieties of pineapple. Do you know how long it takes from planting a pineapple to getting to eat it? Generally, it takes between 20 months and two years. There are more than 10 different types of pineapple grown in Mingxiong. We're entering harvest season right now, and these colorful fields are all at different stages of the growing cycle. Once monotone fields are now a beautiful mural on the earth. This swath of purple is the golden diamond pineapple. The purple fields are all a particular variety. There's also some that are the color of the watermelon pineapples. So when you look at them from the air, you see so many beautiful shades. Because of all this scrupulous attention over two years, the Mingxiong pineapple is known and loved not just in Taiwan, but also as far afield as Japan. And for locals, this lively patchwork of colors is an added bonus. In the modern era, smartphones are our inseparable companions, with both adults and children seeking entertainment and stress relief in the virtual world. Our deep reliance on electronics has given rise to the problem of gaming addiction. Some countries have addressed gaming addiction with drastic measures, such as legally restricting the time minors can spend online. But in Taoyuan City, one group is taking a novel approach. It simply gives children other things to do with their time. This organization called Kids Love Taiwan shows children how to have fun outdoors. Its approach to gaming addiction puts the focus on dialogue and self-discipline rather than firm restrictions. Today in our Sunday special report, we drop in on some kids who are learning to balance electronics with everything else the world has to offer. This old house in the middle of a Taoyuan field was left unused for years. Then, in 2017, a civic organization called Kids Love Taiwan converted it into a learning space for families. Each of us came here from our homes to work together to build this learning environment. It's like I was just saying about the mountains, sea and fields. We go up into the mountains, we go outdoors, we go to the seaside. In this natural environment, we and the children create a learning process together. In contrast to standard education in Taiwan, the learning that takes place here does not make use of textbooks or exams. Here, nature is the classroom, and children and adults learn together. The children are free to run about, to drink sweet beverages, and to use inline roller skates. They can even play on tablets and cell phones. 
Normally, after I get up in the morning, I put aside an hour to play on the tablet and play some of the games I like. In the past, I would sometimes play too much, playing until I had a headache. My mom would talk it over with me and say, "You played so long on the tablet yesterday. Was that long enough? Did you play too much or not enough?" We place great emphasis on the development of the child. When they go through changes at different periods of their life, they need someone there to keep an eye on them. This includes taking note of what they're playing when they use the internet and what these games mean to the child. Relatively speaking, there is a high degree of freedom here, but it's not completely laissez-faire. Behind that freedom are discussions that we have with the children. We tell them they can decide for themselves what they want to do, but at the same time, they need to accept some responsibility for those decisions. The physical and mental health of children is an issue of global concern. In recent years, much attention has been paid to how children's health is affected by the addictive nature of online games. What exactly is it that makes online games so alluring? 网络游戏是一个设计出来的快乐，游戏跟现实。Online games are designed to elicit a sense of happiness. What makes the game environment different from the real world is that in a short amount of time, the player can achieve a sense of satisfaction. 所有网络游戏企业尽可在周五、周六、周日和法定节假日，每天二十点到二十一点向未成年人提供一小时服务。其他的时间。Over the years, online game addiction has emerged as a problem the world over. To crack down on the addiction, China has limited the amount of time that minors can spend on games. In New York, a petition started by parents calls for prohibiting smartphone ownership by children under 14. Is such legislation a necessary evil, or does it rob children of a source of entertainment? Electronics are not the devil. If you control the child's use of electronics or cut it off entirely, the child will increasingly distance themselves from you. Other countries that have used legislation to curtail online gaming include Vietnam, Japan, South Korea and Thailand. In South Korea and Thailand, authorities found limited success with this approach and have already repealed the legislation. When you use authority to suppress a child, they will either listen to you or they will avoid you and get caught up in the wrong crowd. In schools, we most often see the latter result. A child in the classroom may appear to obey the teacher, but we really don't know what they are thinking. I feel that this is the most worrisome thing. Um, through trial and error, many countries have learned that restricting a child through legislation is ineffective. But how much online gaming is too much? When should it be considered an addiction? For the most part, we look at three factors. First, whether a person is unable to stop the behavior. Second, whether they prioritize the behavior over work and other responsibilities. Third, if the person encounters difficulties or challenges associated with the behavior, whether they are able to change it. From a medical perspective, we generally require the behavior to continue for at least a year before we consider it to be a significant problem. 
Whether it's a hobby or an addiction, immersion in online activity may reflect a deeper problem a child has. The iceberg beneath the surface may be something more worthy of a parent's attention, experts say. 很多孩子他的网络游戏的成瘾，其实最重要的是现实生活中的问题。For a lot of kids who get addicted to online gaming, what is most important is their real-world problems. It's possible that a child who is addicted to online gaming is struggling with depression, and the internet is their only channel for releasing their stress. If you restrict their internet use, then suddenly they have no avenue for stress release. What will they likely do then? A lot of people in that situation end up harming themselves. So how can parents prevent internet use from becoming the child's only form of stress relief? Along Shidong Road in New Taipei Sanxia District, this large open stretch of green is home to a family learning space. Kids Love Taiwan moved into the space earlier this year. 有,有沒有?沒有紙跟筆的把手機拿出來,也可以用手機記錄。Today's class is about time management, and the goal is to teach children how to control the time they spend on electronics every day. 這個。學習。學習。這是什麼?我不是很知道你在講什麼。我們的自主學習課裡面有一個重點。There's an important purpose behind our self-guided lessons which is that we want students to learn how to manage their own time. You can't really expect children to learn self-discipline on their own. Where does self-discipline come from? It has to be cultivated. A canopy fashioned from discarded ad banners held up by bamboo. Seats made from wood panels laid across plastic crates. This is the classroom where the children learn. Parents bring their children here to get close to nature. The families get inspired by what they see around them and discover new excitement in the everyday. Children here don't feel bored and they don't feel drawn to electronics. We built something over there where the bamboo is. Today it looks like this. Last night there was heavy rain and some of the support beams snapped and the canopy collapsed. These kids see something different every day. For them, the information they're exposed to here is far richer than the lights and sounds emitted by electronic devices. At our learning space here in Sanxia, you'll notice that the kids aren't carrying cell phones. There's stuff for them to do everywhere here, stuff for them to play with. Not only is there lots to do, but parents and children learn together, and the children slowly learn the concept of self-discipline. Rules and self-discipline are things that have to be learned. They need to be learned through experience. You don't naturally acquire such abilities when you reach a set age. We provide a lot of assistance in our classes and in their daily lives to help parents slow down the pace of their children's learning at home. By slowing down the pace of learning, children can accumulate new information bit by bit. The parents who come here want to build a learning environment that best suits their children. In their relationships with their children, they prioritize discussion over setting limits.
小孩他们其实就是活在这个三 C 的年代。Kids today live in an electronic age. I think parents should take a look at themselves because they also use electronics quite a lot. If you use these electronics a lot and then tell kids they can't do the same, that's really inconsistent. You're saying I can do this, but you can't, and I can't give you a good reason why, except that you're a child. 这位同学，我们现在是中一班的。你是中二班的，我来旁听的。哦，所以我其实是比较偏向以前不要用禁止的方式。I prefer not to prohibit things. This way, issues like internet and cell phone use can be up for discussion. The question is, how can we help children become self-disciplined to help them use these tools to learn, but also not be limited by them? 哎，然后竹节虫子在地板里，你知道吗？我躲下去，你要把它打出来。For children at this learning space, the use of electronics is about finding balance and self-discipline rather than being fettered by the rules.